Okay. So today I'm speaking with um, Kate and Kirsty, which are the founders and I believe directors of KNK Legal Consulting. Um, as they say, they are a legal consulting practice that specializes in helping startups with business and company law. Um, their aim is to be able to help and support businesses from, from inception and beyond. Uh, they wish to use their legal knowledge and experience to assist small businesses, which perhaps do not have the access to a solicitor uh, because of budget restraints. Um, let's start with uh, Kirsty. Kirsty, welcome. And KNK um, Consulting, when did you actually start the business and why did you actually start the business? Well, it, it's actually a lot longer story than and probably needs to be, but um, we've been up and running now for about three years as KNK, but KNK actually goes back a, a lot longer. We met at university um, studying legal practice okay. and then uh, went into private practice. Um, Stayed in private practice, the corporate world didn't really like it. Um, very regimented, very, you know, if, if a client phones you, you know, the clock starts immediately. You've got to charge your units in six minutes. You have to go to mass amounts of marketing events. It's just overly stuffy, overly formal. And um, it just, just didn't sit right with us. Whereas we like to meet different people um, to learn about what they're doing. And it just naturally progressed into K&K. We thought we could do this. We can help people. Um, we've both got young children or relatively young children. They, they, they've grown with us kind of thing. Um, and it just let, it allows us the flexibility. So if we have to leave midday, we can go and do that and we can come back and it, it's on our own time. Obviously, we'd make plans if we had clients, um, but it just allows us that flexibility to have a great family work-life balance. So that, that's why we started. <laughs> Yeah, I guess the benefit of uh, somewhat small businesses or being a business owner, you do have that somewhat of a flexibility to um, be able to play around with your time, but still sort of work with your clients and actually meet their needs at the same time. Um, Kate, you, uh, Kirsty mentioned that you two met in university. Were you both studying law at the same time? Did you sort of uh, go down a different path at a different stage or, or what was that? So we both met um, on the same course, so we were both studying law. Um, our course obviously went on and we became really good friends. And then when we um, were let out into the world after we'd qualified, um, we went um, to different law firms, but then happened to work at the same law firms with each other um, over the years as well. So we both worked at two um, of the same law firms at the same time, um, along with different ones um, on our own. So, so yeah, our paths, obviously we were friends throughout anyway, um, throughout since we started university we've been really good friends um so we've worked together um and then as Kirsty said once our families started to grow and we realized that we didn't want to be restrained within a nine to five and sometimes beyond that because in the legal profession you are expected to work overtime it is just one of those things that's expected of you so you'd quite often be at the office until 7 8 p.m of an evening and lots of other people would be there too it was just a given um, and attending lots of schmoozy corporate events as well after work it just didn't suit our lifestyle as our families um, started to grow so so yeah that's that's how we met and how our <laughs> paths have developed and and led us to K&K. &K. Yeah, I, I, I suppose the industry of uh, law 
well, I don't know too much about it as much as you guys, but law industry is, is from what you've just said, sounds very familiar to sort of the hospitality industry, um, which you always have different times. You're always on different schedules to everyone else. And it's a bit, uh, bit hectic to people's schedules at times. Um, I did have a question, which anyways, we'll go back to it. Um, then some of the services you provide, why would, why would someone come to you to your business and what would they be, you know, what help would they be seeking or what um, type of questions would someone come to you? Whether uh, Kirsty would like to answer this one. Yeah, so we, we often see people at the very, very beginning when it's almost an idea. Um, quite often it's a side hustle. So they're, they're trying to leave their corporate world and start up. So they've got an idea and they don't necessarily know how to implement it. And we help them with the legal basis of it. So how you would set up, would you set up as a sole trader or a limited company? Obviously, accountancy does fall into that as well. And we don't deal with accountancy, um, but it's the general legals behind it. If you're setting up with a partner, then you need to have those, those incorporation documents and the partnership documents there as well. Um, if you're, you're on your own, you're going to have to have a client contract. Um, but there's lots of little nuances to it. For, so for instance, if you're a food based business quite often people come along and think do you know what I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna sell cakes but they don't understand that actually have to register with the council you've got you know you've got um oh my gosh I've forgotten her name now Natasha Megan. Law. Natasha Natasha's I almost <laughs> said Megan but it's Natasha's <laughs> law um where you have to deal with the the specifics on the the packaging in terms of the allergens um and there's a lot more a lot of extra considerations if you've got a website it's not okay to just have a website and not have it legally compliant. Um, you've got an obligation to tell your consumers what you're doing, what you're tracking their behavior, you've got cookies on the site. So it's a general, you know, these are the steps that you need to put in place to be compliant. Um, and these are the additional steps that will help you and keep your business safe. Um, you know, no one wants to get into an issue with a client, but you always are going to have a client that perhaps a bit of a nightmare and, you know, having a robust contract in place that deals with that can be, so helpful <laughs> yeah especially when it comes to websites i deal a lot with websites myself um i have a website myself i do uh, online homeware business uh, i actually have a web not myself i work with someone who has um, a website development and software development company so mm -hmm. I'm, I'm used to websites a lot and i even have come around a lot of people which they're just like yeah i've made a website i'm starting business i'm like do you understand the procedures behind it of what you have to do and and sort of um certain legality sides to it um like you were mentioning about you know holding people's um data information data mm, yeah personal data yeah and you have to a b gdpr compliant but then there's also I know there's something which is the ICO uh -huh. yeah. and you have to be compliant with them depending on what type of data you are holding Absolutely. and you have to be registered with them and people are like no but you don't it depends <laughs> on this and it depends on that and I'm like I'd rather be on the safe side than the sorry side. For um, the small fee it costs you to register with them for the year we always say to clients why would you not for 30 i think it's about 35 pound a year okay. if you fall into tier one just just do it it's for peace of mind it's just really not worth trying to get around it 
but you you would be surprised at exactly how many people come to us and they've never heard of it so like I've got this random letter is it a, a scam, it a scam like, yeah. yeah how have you been in business for a year and don't understand that so you know speaking to a professional from the outset and knowing what those obligations are will stop you having one of those letters sort of landing on your door not just from the ICO but you know from a local council because you don't have your food safety to certificate or you yeah. know you've got your license or or whatnot so it can be um very beneficial that's not to say that we just deal with startups so we have some um, longer term clients that you know they'll come to us if they've got a client legal issue or you know they want some brand protection we do like a trademark application or you know various things crop up mm. and we're there or from a company in a business or front so is yeah. there <laughs> anything that you would say you specialize in particularly or are you a sort of a round spectrum of um anything that would come to you we no you go Kate (laughs) (laughs) so we both specialize in our own little areas so Kirsty is um she practiced in litigation for many years so she has that litigation experience she can look at um contracts from that side of the the coin whereas um I'm very much more the detail orientated um getting the contracts um drafted and looking at them from um the data protection perspective so my specialisms lie in data protection um GDPR um and the websites as well making sure that they're compliant and advising people in that in that regard um so yeah we we both and then we both generally do the terms contracts drafting compliance advice um so although we've got our own strengths that we pull to we we tend to do a lot of the same things as well so if you were to give advice to someone who is starting up uh, in a new business or they have an idea is there certain steps you would sort of give them to to um, you know lead into that they have to you know say they would come to you they need to do first of all so we we do a power hour for startups so um, and the reason we do it as a power hour rather than a sort of scripted document is because businesses vary so much a food related business is completely different than someone maybe a copywriter they've got different legalities they've got different setups you you often find though you know that there will be some exceptions copywriters are self-employed um, the food related businesses tend to be limited but that's not to say that they're always that way but there's not a, a an exact way of doing things that that's what we're getting at is yeah. every business is different and you know even if two copywriters could work completely differently they could have you know different requirements things like revision intellectual property so we do a power hour we we listen to what they want to do we listen to their idea obviously um you've got the confidentiality element and we're not going to share that but um sometimes it's a brainstorming session and this is the idea I've got what how do I make this happen from a legal point of view and we do whilst we say legal we might make some other suggestions so for instance you know very naively some people think oh I've got this idea I'm going to create a website and I'm good to go but people don't realize that actually there's a lot of marketing that goes into that people just don't find you <laughs> um so some little hints and tips along the way obviously we're not marketers but you know we we can signpost people to the right people you know know their specialisms so if it was a food related business we'd say you need to speak to your local council you need to get that that licensing in place depending if you're um, making the food or if you're just reselling um, so we'd look at the 
the allergen labels from there. We'd look at how they wanted to set up. Did you want to be a sole trader? Did you want to be a limited company? Um, and then we go through what works for them. Um, always talk about insurance because, you know, we're not insurance brokers, but I can tell you insurance from a reputable firm can be invaluable if something goes wrong. Um, so we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the GDPR, so the, the ICO um, elements, and then the, the contracts and documents that you want in place. And then we touch a bit on branding. So um, not everyone protects their business from a branding point of view, but you know, if you've got something that's unique and hasn't been used before, you know, it's quite important to protect them. <coughs> Sorry, I knew I was trying not to go the whole way through then. Dusty's got a really bad cold at the moment, so she's really suffering. So that's, you're, you're talking about branding more so with like trademark and copyright. You're trying Protecting to sort of yeah. brand, uh, help yeah, people to, to register with that. Yeah. Absolutely. So when we, we don't brand anything as such, it, it literally is like the trademark application. Um, not just that. So, for instance, we've had uh, we're helping a lady at the moment who's created some packaging. Um, it's quite unique packaging. She wants to trademark that. So um, it's it's the Get design, trademark rights as a whole, on it. design rights, that mm. sort of thing from a legal point of view to protect it. So we don't advise on what you can do to brand your business. <laughs> So just to protect what you've got, essentially. <laughs> yeah. Um, talking about that, then, <clears throat> people nowadays are very much based online. We have a lot of social media people, a lot of people setting up, um, you know, accounts for that. When it comes to, say, being self-employed, when would you, from a legal perspective, see that someone is now self-employed, essentially? Um, because uh, from, from my perspective, someone who's self-employed is when they start either selling a service or selling a product. Is there a certain threshold you would say there is or self-employment is based on what you perceive as self-employed? Uh, it's a little bit of both, really. So, for instance, if you're, you know, if you're selling something as a hobby, say, for instance, you're you know, on eBay and you're selling a few things and that's a little business and it's below a thousand, you don't have to register as self-employed. Um, but if that turns into quite productive, it's more of an income, it, it's coming in, it's, it's going over that thousand, then you would need to register for self-employment. Is that a thousand? Uh... In any profit year, in any financial year, sorry. So yeah, it has to be within that, the same financial year if you hit 1000 and go over it you have to register with hmrc thousand yeah. pound profit um yes. or just income in general profit profit, profit. Um, it allows for you know if people are doing car boot sales and it really is just pennies and, and just whatnot so I think money, that, yeah. yeah as a thousand to do that so that's really when you should be <laughs> registering when you when you see people online um again with like say social media accounts and stuff like that um would you classify them as being say self-employed and now working on on their own um we'll, we're, we'll, our world is going to very much of a online based um you know sort of world if you want to call it that yeah. How how does the legal side work into that, and how do you change your practices to to how our businesses are now going? Yeah, well, we've actually always been online, so we were online before COVID, um, just because it works um, for us. But um, yeah, there, there's definitely an increase recently, and you've got to look at all the laws around that. So we we don't just help 
company and also we'll help employees and employers as well so you know we draft all sorts of um, relevant policies um you've got to be careful if you are doing something on social media and you are selling a product and you're working um you can get into problems there because employment contracts might prevent you from doing that sometimes there's a clause in there that um says you can't um there's also the fact that um there's been case law recently where employees have been doing this sideline um, on the hours of the employment. Um, so there's been quite a few issues there. It's something that's emerging a lot recently because of COVID. So technically they are self-employed, but whether they're allowed to be self-employed is a different matter. If they're um, doing it alongside an employed role as well, yeah. yeah. Oh, so if they're full-time employed and then they've been doing some side work as well, depending on their contractual agreement, it's not employer. necessarily allowed. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And then there's an argument over who owns the intellectual property of what they've created as well. So it can get quite nasty. So we say if you are starting a side hustle, the first thing is to check the employment contract. And if you, if you don't understand whether the, con the employment contract allows it, just speak to us. We can have a quick um, check of it. Um, there's also the fact that just because an employment contract might prevent it, it doesn't mean it's reasonable. And you could have a good argument that that clause should be um, removed from the contract. But it, yeah, unfortunately, it's not a simple thing. <laughs> it never is when it comes to law, is it? No. <laughs> it's in the detail and you have to see the contract to be able to, <laughs> to yeah. advise correctly. So when it comes to have you have you sort of uh, dealt with many people who um, are on universal credit or with government funding um, and you've dealt with the legality side of that and people are say wondering what to do um not really no I, do, I know that we have a couple of clients who were on universal credit and they had to be very careful in that they couldn't earn a certain amount because it would lower the amount um so we're aware of it but we wouldn't necessarily advise on it um yeah, I imagine that can get <laughs> quite complex, can't it? But, and, and actually thinking about it, another client has applied for a grant and they've been successful in that, but we, we wouldn't know the ins and outs of it, to be honest with you. We just know, you know, they've, they've commented on it rather than we've been involved in it. So, Yeah, the only reason I ask is because I, I see a lot of people nowadays, they, they have been asking about um, how do I go about getting a grant and how do I get funding and, and who can I go to? So I was just wondering about the, the legal side behind that. And if you as a company between yourself and um, Kate, oh, Kate and Kirsty, whether you've dealt with it um, and, no, um, and if you have. Yeah, it, it's interesting that you did mention that because we are launching a startup mastery guide um, and that does have a, or is going to have once we get yeah. funding. <laughs> We're working there. on it. Yeah. And there's, um, you know, I, I'm writing that section. I, I've got a bit of awareness. You know, there's some funding from the Princess Trust. You can get access if you're a certain age. So we know some basics behind it. And that is going to form, you know, a couple of chat. Well, probably three or four pages in the guide. Um, but it's not written yet. <laughs> it's still in my head. So but there are companies that there are 
third what we would class as a third party so you could have a go-between that is like a company that that looks for these grants and um, investors um, and financing options for for a startup or a, a small business um, or you can just go and do the research yourself there are lots of websites um, the council sometimes have a portal where you can access local um, information on grants so that there is the information is out there if you go looking for it yeah, it's fairly interesting. Um, have you now? This is this is a, a bit of a a years to come sort of topic, but uh, it's a topic that I spoke to. I don't know if you know too much about it, but I'll ask you the question and see your opinion on it. I was speaking to someone the other day, and it's how businesses are now um, adopting what's to come in the future with. Uh, uh, businesses and say cryptocurrency now i don't necessarily mean you have to know too much about cryptocurrency but it, it's the adoption and how we have to start changing our mindsets with that do you understand too uh, much about it or or have you dealt with anyone with it um we have we don't deal with it ourselves and it's not something we've looked into in vast detail we have got a client that is an accountant and they, have, they are actually working with some quite large companies that are solely Bitcoin-based. Mm. Um, and it's massively complicated, all the, the legals behind it and everything. So it's not something we've delved into, but it's something that we've got like a little bit of an interest in. But it, it's one of those things that I, I think if you start to look into it, you know, you could still be looking into it. A bit it of a rabbit hole. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's certainly something that's, taking over a bit isn't it and you see a, a mass increase of it and I know locally actually there is a firm um they're not accountants I don't know what you would call them but they are dealing with various different sale transfers um in relation to those companies so it's definitely emerging just perhaps not it's emerging but there's also the flip side of that where it's a worry that people can be taken advantage of in the same respect and you see it on social media all the time um where a post just gets hijacked and somebody decides to spam it with you know oh i've made you know fifty thousand dollars overnight in this crypto or you know some some other type of online currency so yeah it's it's a worry from a legal standpoint because it's an unknown territory for a lot of i mean there are going to be certain um solicitors and lawyers out there that will specialize in it but i think generally it's a bit of an unknown quantity at the moment which is a worry from a legal mindset so yeah um if there was something you had to say to uh, a small business owner or a startup what advice would you give them from the beginning before they even started to look into um starting business so research <laughs> Do your research first. Don't just jump in both feet and and start operating as a business. Make sure you take that time to do some research and speak to a professional. It is, you know, we harp on about it all the time, but, you know, knowledge is power. And to build those foundations of a business from the beginning correctly will be invaluable to you two three years down the line um we do have clients that come to us that have been in business for a few years and haven't and luckily haven't 
had to rely on any type of legal documentation but they always say the same thing to us in that it's scary it worries them it's in the back of their mind that they don't have this in place um, and that they're operating a fairly successful business without that foundation um, so they always come to us and they're always very relieved once they've done that and they've got it in place but but yeah always I, I think definitely speak to a professional whether that's an accountant a lawyer um, you know depending on what business industry you're going to to look into starting up in um, get that information from the outset. We, another thing I, I would add to that is actually is you know, you value your business yourself and you have the knowledge to deal with that. So value other people. So for instance, yeah, you, everyone can dabble in say marketing, but you need an expert to deal with it properly. And, you know, you can have a general idea, you, you know, you skim the top, don't you? Actually, if you look into it, it's a lot more complex, a lot more detail, it's a lot harder. And, you know, just value other people's opinions, but, you know, make sure they are, professional in that don't listen to an armchair expert don't listen to the man down the road who's never been in business and you know he's always worked for a company he's just you know shouting out his opinion listen to professional um quality qualified advice yeah mm -hmm. one of my pet hates is you know someone saying oh yeah this is what you need to do i'm like no <laughs> on social media yeah it's scary it really is what posts you see on social media and then the replies to them and people take this advice and we're banging our heads against the walls <laughs> so yeah no armchair expert <laughs> yeah it is a bit of a different world where where everyone's going now especially since you know i've brought it up now especially since covid has hit it's been a different world. You are getting a lot more people um, who are your armchair people uh, who are working from home, who are working from here, and to differentiate the between the two. It's Sometimes it's very clear cut. Yeah. <laughs> but other times, yeah, it's uh, you, you speak to people and they're just like, they just sit there on a computer and you just don't know who's the different. Mm. So, no, it's not... Um, it's not difficult to ask. If you don't ask, you'll never know. Exactly. But there's no shame in asking. Um, that's why I like to speak to people. I like to ask people questions. I like to see people's opinions, but I definitely like to ask to speak to specialists because <laughs> I'm not a specialist in certain fields. I never will be, and I don't intend to be, but I like to speak to certain people to get their opinions. And that's when even I speak to certain people on the internet. They're like, oh, we want to do this. We want to do that. And I said, look, I can speak to you about certain things, but at the end of the day, I'm going to lead you to the right person. You know, yeah. you were saying just now that armchair people, they will sit there and be like, yeah, we'll tell you this and we'll tell you that and blah, 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 blah. But they don't actually do that work. Exactly. So it's, it's, yeah. it's very difficult. Um, that's why we say when we deal with startup we can we can offer advice but if you need to bring an accountant we've got people that we can signpost to so it, it's important to, to take that right advice I think so like, like Kate says research is key so research who, you, who you're dealing with and who you're speaking with mm. <laughs> yeah at the end of this is there anything you would like to throw in an overall uh, perspective of what your company is who your company is and and what you do um, just that, you know, we're a pair of women that in business, um, 
we we like to help people we like to hear your ideas um we love working with new startups um if you've got any questions pop us a message we hope that we're not too stuffy and that we make it less <laughs> formal and that you know we are here if you you know you've got a question on email we don't start the clock immediately so friendly accessible um, yeah. accessible advice legal advice hopefully yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we like to watch companies grow so it, we love nothing more than seeing a startup that we helped two years ago come to us because they're taking on staff and they need employment contracts and and policies for you know for their business um it just yeah it's fantastic to see so and we are always on hand to help um and as Kirsty said, we are, we aren't your traditional law firm that starts the clock as soon as an email pops into our inbox and sends you a bill after answering it. So yeah, we 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 try to be as approachable as we can. But obviously, that's not to say we aren't going to charge you if you want an hour of our, hour of our time. So <laughs> no, company company growth is always good to see. Even some of the people um, I've helped out, I've helped out a few small business owners, and uh, just to just to see them grow in that short period of time but over the longer period of time is even better but it is it's always that satisfactory side of work and that's why you continuously do what you do it's just to see people grow in them themselves and as a yeah. business in general um yeah especially at the moment with the past few years we've all lived through so yeah makes it all the more important yeah i think over the past year coming up to two years now actually that ever since this there is one thing that has sort of come out as a positive in a whole is you are seeing a lot more people coming together and actually helping each other as a community which is is um, an overall positive yeah definitely yeah and people making that leap into that idea that they've probably had for five six seven <laughs> years maybe longer but wanted the stability of an employee employer role um situation um and then obviously their hand being forced and they're making the move and we've seen a lot of we've helped a lot of businesses that have been in that position they've been made redundant or they've just decided that they didn't want that instability that they thought was stability before covid um and that they wanted to be a master of their own destiny and and yeah we watch them grow from there and it's fantastic well i have to say that it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to both of you kirsty and kate um kirsty and kate again are a part of k and k legal consulting uh, their website is kkbservices.com um, everything from this conversation we will put it into an article we will post it on our website and we will put everything linked in so you can check out their services and see what they provide have a look at them please look at their services please give them a shout and we shall as well thank you very much for listening to our podcast today and reading our blog as well. Goodbye.